Would you pray with me? Father, we do ask that you would give us your Holy Spirit this morning to open and speak your words to us, to plant them in our hearts. And Lord, would you grow them through faithful prayer in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. So when I was a child, I loved to play in the bathtub, and I especially liked to play with a plastic razor. Now, before you start judging my parents, it was in fact a toy razor, not a disposable razor, and there were no sharp edges. And I would sit there in the tub, practice shaving every day at three and four and five years old. There are very few memories from that time of life, but for some reason, this is one of them. And in the morning, I would watch my dad as he would shave, and he would help me to shave by lathering up his little brush and wiping, you know, putting the soap on my face, and there we were, shaving together. Cute, right? Now, clearly, it's not a lesson that has stuck with me for my life. Um, I do not like to shave at all. Um, it reminds me of a country music song by a guy named Rodney Atkins called Watching You. I don't know if you listen to country music. It's about 10 years old or so. It's a song that says, I've been watching you, Dad. Ain't that cool? I'm your buckaroo. I want to be like you and eat all my food and grow as tall as you are. We got cowboy boots and camo pants. Yeah, we're just alike. Hey, ain't we, Dad? I want to do everything you do, so I've been watching you. This is a beautiful sentiment up until in the point in the song when the boy says a four-letter word begins with S and ends with T. Be careful what you do around kids, right? But it's this desire to learn from the person that you are closest to that prompts the disciples this morning to go up to Jesus and say, Lord, teach us to pray. We've been watching you. We want to be just like you, and we'd like to know how. See, within the first century uh, Jew Jewish culture, prayer was uh, incredibly important. It was an important skill that everybody wanted to have. And it wasn't unusual for rabbis, the teachers of the day, to teach their followers, their disciples, uh, to pr pray particular prayers. And the Jewish people uh, also were a praying people. And they had numerous scriptural and liturgical prayers that they recited uh, throughout the day as part of their worship. Prayer was obviously important. It was important to them and it was important to Jesus, right? He frequently went off and prayed on his own. Occasionally he would bring some of the disciples with him to join him. He instructed them to pray for things like workers for the harvest so that the kingdom of God might go forward. And it's not hard to imagine how in this sort of environment, having watched Jesus for some time, being familiar with his life, and being familiar with the power that was coming and being at work through him, that the disciples began to associate the two enough, I suppose, to think that they wanted to say, I want to do that especially if you've been with us for a few weeks or if you read the chapters immediately preceding this, Jesus has been sending out the disciples to actually do the work he's been doing. And so the question, Lord, teach us to pray, it's the right question. Not only was prayer important broadly in the culture and specifically to Jesus, 
prayer is vital for you and for me. Uh, One of the great reformers, John Calvin, uh, said that prayer is the chief exercise of Christian faith. We are told to pray for all that is promised in the Scriptures. And I wonder this morning, is prayer the chief work of your Christian life? To be sure, what we're doing right now on Sunday morning is prayer. But what about personal prayer? As one of the guys in my life group said this week, he said, Jesus calls us to ask for our daily bread, not our Sunday bread. It's meant to happen regularly throughout our week in our life. Prayer is something that we are to be doing every day. Statistics show that uh, almost 90% of Christians agree that Prayer and spending time alone with God on a daily basis is an important need. But half of them find it difficult to find time to do so. As one writer put it, uh, prayer is not some sort of pious decoration, something we do to make ourselves look spiritually uh, good looking. It is actually the breath of the human soul. Friends, if we don't find time to pray, we are suffocating ourselves. Many Christians, we don't pray because we think it's hard, or we don't know where to begin. We wonder, do I have the right words? We wonder whether it will be effective. Will God actually listen to me? And it wouldn't surprise me if the disciples felt this way as well. And so their question is important to them, and it is relevant to us as well. What does Jesus have to teach you and me about prayer? After all, if you are following him, you are his disciples. And Jesus' answer is basically this, that you can be on speaking terms with God. He tells you you should be on speaking terms with God, that you can be on speaking terms with God, and finally, he will teach us how to be on speaking terms with God. What type of things should you say and expect in a relationship with Him. So let's now ask our Lord to teach us how to pray. And His response, it begins there in verse 2 of Luke chapter 11 with this. Jesus says, When you pray, say. The first thing we are to recognize is that Jesus, in Jesus' response, that there is absolutely no discouragement at all. Jesus expects his disciples, expects Christian disciples, will pray. When you do it, not if you do it. See, we often have this picture in our mind that God is annoyed with our constant prayers. You remember the movie Bruce Almighty with Jim Carrey? He's given the temporary job of being God, mostly because he complained to God too much. Uh, And he's annoyed the first morning when all of the prayers are going around in his head. So the first thing he does is he puts the prayers into file cabinets, which then fill up his apartment as far as you can see. He then sends them to the Yahweh email account. Yahweh! Or personally, my favorite, he sends them the prayers to prayer post-it notes. Billions of them covering everything as far as the eye can see. And my favorite, the dog. 
Do you have this impression, like the movie, that your prayers are an aggravation to God, an annoyance? It's not God's feeling. This is not Jesus' expectation. He expects you to have access to God through prayer. He knows that it is valuable and important and that God is waiting to hear from you. Calvin goes on to say, John Calvin goes on to say that prayer is not to be neglected because prayer digs up the treasures of the gospel. When you pray, you are stating your dependence on God, even for what you might consider trivial. Jesus expects you to pray. Immediately, he gives us the reason why we can be on speaking terms with God. Not only should you be on speaking terms with God, but you can be. And our first instruction tells us why. We are to say, Father. Jesus uses the word Abba, which is not simply a great Swedish supergroup from the 70s, but it is the Aramaic word, the everyday Aramaic word for Father. It is informal, it is simple, it is intimate of a way of addressing God. Maybe you remember last week, Jesus was celebrating that God had revealed the gospel truths to his disciples. Do you remember what he called them? He goes, thank you that you've revealed them to to them like little children. And now he actually tells these little children to address God as their dad, as their father. And this is quite remarkable for several reasons. First, it's informal. Jewish people wouldn't even write the the name of God down. And when they did invoke the Lord's name, they would also add so many descriptors. You know, God of our father, Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No one at the time would ever seem think to address God so informally as father. In fact, one early Christ, uh, Christian historian described how they would uh, uh, address Caesar, who was the most important uh, human being on the planet. The most important person in the world, would, they would begin by addressing him with 67 titles. Can you imagine? I mean, before you ever get to ask him anything, it's like 18 minutes long. <laughs> Emperor Caesar, Galerius, Valerius, Maximus, Invictus, Augustus, Pontifex, Maximus, German, I mean, blah, 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 blah. I mean, just, get, you know, come on. But what Jesus tells the disciples is this. Is that you can address the most important Uh, being in all of the world, in all of the universe, in all of creation, with this one word, Father. It is informal, but it is beautiful. But it's also simple, because Jesus chooses to tell his disciples to use an Aramaic word. And what Jesus is telling his disciples is that you can address God with ordinary language. No need for fancy, ornate, or complicated words or phrasings. See, your Heavenly Father, He knows what you need before you ask. It's not impressed with fancy words, but the desire of our heart. But most comforting is that the term Father is intimate. To call God Father is to engender a belief 
about the nature of our relationship with God. Even if we don't have a great earthly father, or one who might not have been there as much as we like, we do know what a good father looks like. Good fathers provide, they protect, they teach, they care for us. And God does all of these things for you. To address God as Father gets to the heart of the gospel. Jesus is the one who reveals God to us, just like little children. And to believe in Jesus is to be made part of God's family. You read this uh, in the Apostle John's gospel so clearly. John goes on to say that, that even though we sinned, even though we deserve death, That God sent Jesus into the world so that all that believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. He says that all that receive Jesus, all that believe in His name, that God gives the right to become children of God. Hear that again. Is that if you believe in Jesus, you are given the right to become God's children. You are given the right to call Him Father. See, the word Father reflects the new reality that Jesus is bringing into the world. That you are once apart from Him, but now you are a part of His intimate family. And because you are His family, because you are His children, because you are His sons and His daughters, you can come to Him. This is the most important truth of the gospel. Is that God wants you to be part of his family. And you have the right to come to him and speak to him. You can be on speaking terms with God. So how do you do it? Uh, One of my mentors at seminary, actually a mentor of both Sean and me, uh, has had an enormous effect on us. I once asked Mike what his, uh, the prayer that he says most often And his response was quick. And he said, the prayer I say most often is, Oh God, oh God, oh God, help. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Oh God, oh God, oh God, help. Because you are his children, you can approach God with the honesty that says, I need help. Let me say that again. Because you are God's children, you can speak to your heavenly Father with honesty. He knows you need help. He's ready to provide you with help. He is, in fact, already providing you with help. And when you say, God, help, it shows your dependence on your Father. This is what it means to be on speaking terms with God. You should do it. You can do it because of what Jesus has done for you. And then Jesus goes on to give us a framework for how to do it. You can begin. You begin by praising God. Hallowed be your name. Establishing his holiness. Telling of his glory. Telling of what he's done. Not only do you praise him, but then you second, second you cry out to him to bring his kingdom to bear in your life. Your kingdom come whenever you face challenges. Whenever you see injustice happening. Whenever you recognize that our world is broken. It's in these moments, it's in these situations that uh, it's easy for us to realize that just things are not right. They're not right. 
And the only way for them ever to become right is not that we work harder. It's not that we change our mind. It's not that it... No, the way that things become right in the world is that God brings his kingdom to bear. And he does it through his son. And he does it through his people as we go out into the world. And ultimately he's going to do it when he returns again to establish the new heaven and the new earth. And everything will be made right. We are to call out to him and cry out to him to bring his kingdom, his rule and his reign to bear in our life. Then we're to ask for our daily bread. This is easy. The daily provision that we need, God promises to provide for you the the basic necessities of your life. Sometimes he gives you more, but he will always give you exactly what you need. And then... He teaches us to pray for forgiveness. Prayer for forgiveness for ourselves and for others. And it is a reminder that forgiveness is the nature of the Christian life. Forgiveness is what the Christian life is all about. Receiving it from God, giving it to others. And then finally, we are, pray, we are called to pray for protections from the trials, the tribulations, and evil of the world. God is holy. God's kingdom is what we need. God gives us his daily provision for everything in our lives. Forgiveness is the way of the kingdom. And God gives us his protection. All the things a good father does. This is the disciples' prayer. And as you pray, the treasures of the gospel become more written more permanently written, more expansively written on your heart. I want you to imagine for a moment this. What would your life be like if you know you have a heavenly Father, perfect, loving, generous, who you can approach at any time? Imagine how much stress might be lifted off of your shoulders when you recognize that He promises to provide everything you need in your life on a daily basis. Or the relief you might experience uh, as you daily remind yourself that you are forgiven. And that God wants you to have forgiveness among your relationships as well. Imagine how he could lift the fear out of your life when you entrust your protection to him. It is incredible. And friends, the reality is, is that you can do this today. If you don't know God as Father, you can't have this confidence. It's just not possible. But you can receive Jesus. You can believe in His name and ask Him for forgiveness and become God's child and know God as Father. Today's challenge this week, I want to encourage you to be on speaking terms with God. Set aside five minutes twice a day, once a day, Begin by praying just the prayer that Jesus has said. Then perhaps you can expand it, telling him specifically what you need. Who do you need to forgive? What do you need to be forgiven for? Where do you need protection? Friends, God, your Father, is waiting to hear for you. Let us pray.